Hello and welcome fellow awesomeologists to Awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we're back with an update on our journey toward total and radical accountability. Bum, bum. We left our last episode feeling the unique and awesome feeling of knowing we had some next steps to move us forward. That's right. And one of those steps was a survey for the whole team. So today, we'll talk about the results of that survey and the insights we've gained from them. And now we discuss the insights. <laughs> <laughs> that was a seamless transition. I'm going narr- to narrate like every step of this episode. That's Buckle cool. Up. That's Buckle a good up. idea. Yeah. That's a good idea. He said taking a drink. Right. Okay. <laughs> nice. Oh, thanks for, yeah. Hey, I, well, you gotta, well, I got to jump in. Right. I couldn't I gotta, narrate taking my own drink. Yeah, I got to have your back. <laughs> Well, when we debriefed with the team, we asked everyone to look at the anonymized results. Right. I anonymized them. Is that a word? It is now. And we asked them to think about the things that confirm their worldview, sort of what do you just straight up agree with? Does it just say the same thing that you think? Um, What they disagreed with Mm -hmm. and what actions they want to take from there. Now, we never got to the actions part yet right? because we ran out of time, which is maybe a thing that we're doing this week. It's just straight up running ourselves out of time (laughs) because we won't shut up. Um, But we each brought some insights today. So why don't you go ahead and start with all of your cool formatting and numbers and letters? Great notes. Great notes. Your excellent notes. Yeah. So as you mentioned, uh, we talked about things that kind of confirmed our view, maybe some things that we disagreed with, right? And I thought that, um, you know, like as any good survey does, some good and bad was revealed, right? Like we maybe saw some things that confirmed. I guess speaking of my own experience, there were definitely some things that I saw um, in the beautifully anonymized results that confirmed my feedback confirmed some things that I was thinking, and then also um, uh, some good and bad, you know, uh, maybe some things that I wasn't thinking about or weren't part of my feedback. Um, and again, good and bad with all of that. So some good or some things that were kind of confirmed for me was acknowledgement that we really do have a, a good team, uh, a team that's creative and capable. And, you know, one of the questions you know, ask that point blank, like, you know, do we feel that everybody on our team is, has what they need from a creative and capability standpoint? And um, that was something that we agreed on. And, you know, it almost sounds like offensive to think that the answer might be the opposite to that. Mm-hmm. But also like, that's a real re- possibility. That's a total reality that some teams might be facing is, you know, they've got some people that just aren't capable right. on their team, you know, and um, we hear, feedback, good and bad, uh, on the work that we do. And most of it is positive and most of it comes with some confirmation that we've got a great team or, or I shouldn't say confirmation, but, um, you know, some feedback, you've Mm -hmm. got such a great team. You guys do great work, blah, blah, blah. Right. Which is great to hear. And of course we love that feedback. Um, but for us to confirm it internally, uh, you know, by looking at each other and answering honestly as part of this process, like, do we have a creative and capable team, which is super right. important for a marketing team, right? So to have like 
this moment where we can look in the mirror and answer that question with, you know, reality um, to kind of confirm some feedback that we've gotten elsewhere. That was really helpful to me because I think, and I think I mentioned this when we were debriefing as a team, like there's enough personal insecurity that I have or, um, you know, just concern. Maybe it's imposter, imposter syndrome, I don't know, um, where I, you know, I, I do wonder from time to time, like, are we, are we really good at what we do? Or is, you know, that just the polite thing for people to say when they see the work that we do? We do have the benefit of having internal and external clients that um, we get we get that feedback feedback from enough of a variety of people that I think it is confirmed. Like, yeah, we're we're pretty good at what we do, you know. Um, but like I say, whether it's personal insecurity or imposter syndrome, it's always something that'll probably with live with me. Is you know, feeling like you know, are am I enough? Are we enough? Whatever. Um, but I was really happy to see some of the answers to the questions that um, you know the team showed we, I don't know how specific we want to get into the exact questions and answers today, but, um, you know, we were happy to see, I was happy to see that we, um, we want more with some things, you know, we, we gave some answers that showed like, yeah, that's a thing that we're doing and it's at a satisfactory level. Right but we want more, whether we're talking about like, one thing in particular was like our processes, the processes that we have Mm -hmm. in place. You know, there was a question addressing whether or not we have good processes that are, you know, effective in helping us do what we do. Um, And, you know, as the leader of the team and somebody that's responsible for putting those processes in place or, you know, empowering the team to develop those processes, be a part of that. um, I'm always concerned about like, is what we have in place actually working? Is it effective for our team? Is it helping us do what we need to do? And um, during our strategic planning last year, we talked a lot about some additional processes that we need or some things that we need to revisit, review, simplify, maybe add some detail to. Um, And we haven't gotten to all that yet. Right. You know, so like knowing that this is a recent conversation that we had where we've been talking about processes um, and to know that we haven't, doing air quotes, fixed all of those things yet. I was a little concerned, like, yeah, man, people are going to respond to this one, like, our processes stink, we need more, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, that one got like a 3.6 out of the five-point scale. So, you know, not awesome, certainly, um, but better than a two, <laughs> yeah. you know, which, like, I was kind of anticipating, like, two and a half or less is probably what we'll get on that one. Really? And again, maybe personal insecurity, maybe only because I know how it can feel like when you're doing something that, um, uh, you know, is required of you in your job and the process isn't in place to do that well or to rely on others to pick the ball up and go from there, you know, whatever the thing is. Um, And if, like, you have an experience with that yesterday and I'm taking this survey today, my answer might be like, oh, our processes suck or they don't <laughs> exist, right? you know, because I just had this, you know, recent experience. But um, so sometimes there's recency bias that can affect these answers. So I, I just, I, I think I make an internal assumption that we have enough stuff to figure out yet or enough stuff that's messy in the way that we do things that it means people would respond, you know, lower on the scale mm-hmm. to that question. But I guess something that we learned is maybe we have more, more in line than um, I thought, yeah. uh, and still plenty of room to go, which is nice. Do you think 
that we have a different experience with those processes, that by virtue of what we do on a daily basis, you and I, mm-hmm. as opposed to the rest of the team, um, that we see bigger flaws in processes. And maybe because we, part of what we're, and you even pointed this out to the team, that we sometimes we go a whole day not knowing that we accomplish anything, mm-hmm. not yeah. checking any boxes done. And part of the reason I think that happens to me sometimes is um, I identify as failed processes, right? Mm. So it means uh, either somebody is not interacting well with a process and I have to uh, intervene and try and get things back on track. And so that sucks up a whole bunch of time trying to explain what should be happening and then well, first, exp- first sucking up a whole bunch of time, me internally arguing about should I stop and do this thing and try and explain <laughs> right. Right. to these people or do I let it go? And you know me, most of the time I don't let it go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I, I think that we, and they, the rest of the team offered plenty of feedback that there are things that need to get brushed up, mm. right? And that there's willingness to clean up those processes. But... I think we have we just have a different view of what they are and feel like they're not working. Right. Because we're dealing with what feels like is a process not working. Right. Yeah. I mean and I think the answer is definitely yes. I'm sure that our our perspective or vantage point has to do with how these feelings or the truth mm-hmm. might differ uh, related to processes and stuff like that. Um and I think that it's important to recognize that because there's probably things that our team members are doing every single day right within a process that we've put together that isn't awesome, but mm-hmm. that's the process, that's the way we do things, that's the air quotes best way because it's the process that mm-hmm. we've decided and agreed on. Um, but one thing that, um, you know, one of the last questions that you asked as part of the debrief was, you know, does the survey results inspire any um, uh, change ideas for change or anything. And this isn't necessarily an idea for change, but a confirmation that it's super important for the people in the day-to-day to look at what they're doing, to look at those processes that we have in place that you know we've agreed on, m- many of which are in writing, some not quite yet. Um, and scrutinize, you know, mm-hmm. and ask like, is this the best way to do this thing? Or um, there's this part of the process that's a pain every time I get to it, maybe just a teeny tiny pain, little pinprick, but mm-hmm. I move on right away. Um, or maybe something really painful that every time I do it, I go, ugh, you know? Yeah. And like, you got to let us know when that stuff happens because it might just be as simple as us saying, well, like, don't do that thing anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they feel like they have to, or um, there's a tool that we're utilizing that all you got to do is check a box to activate something that means that pain can go away, right. you know, whatever. So, um, I think that that's an important bit of feedback from this whole process is to make sure that we're always looking for those opportunities, but also like mm-hmm. saying something when you identify it, you know, and maybe the best time to identify it is any, when you feel that pain, right? right? That little micro moment of pain or maybe big pain. Um, but then the flip side of that too, not all, not always get stuck on like when things don't go well or when things are painful, but here's this part of this process that's working really, really well. And how do we like replicate that or bring that into other processes that we have? Cause 
there's a, I think there's plenty that goes really, really well. And we could, you know, maybe use some of the structure behind that or the tools mm-hmm. that we use for that process to go well to mimic or implement into other things to just make us more efficient and right. happy and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while you were talking and I was listening to you and mm-hmm. I was very engaged in what you were saying, <laughs> I also made a note <laughs> because the thing that this brings up for me is am I shoring up processes in a way that is, um, so that it's keeping the pain points away from people, right? Yeah. So I am spending the time fixing a process. In pain? Yeah, I'm <laughs> spending the time in pain. Um, and because uh, I, I know that one of my, uh, a blessing and a curse <laughs> of um, working with me is I have a tendency to be a little bit of a helicopter and uh, I, where I will swoop in and, and be like, oh, that's, fi- that's broken. I have to fix that right now. And now that's not great for my workload, but I still do it. And if I am swooping in and trying to fix things rather than letting other people fix things um, or saying, ah, Every time we come down this road, I have to jump in and fix that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the process is broken because that, like, we, we're not going to add into the procedure, like, Sue sends an email to this other person who doesn't do the thing that they're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a process. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I made myself a note. Am I shoring up processes to look for that and try and fix it if that's what I'm doing? Yeah, and fix it might be you doing something, might be fixing the process. It might be the person involved in the process learning a thing, right? right? You know, because I think that that's something that we uh, leaders, you know, the heroes wearing the cape can definitely do from time to time is when it gets to that point of like, can't figure this thing out or here's this roadblock in the process, whatever. We just swoop on in. Mm -hmm. Do it and not do it like in secret or anything. Maybe the team's totally aware, like, oh, this is just when Sue comes in and fixes this thing or does yeah. this part of it, and then I can carry on from there. Right. You know, instead of that, what what do they need to learn to be able to do the thing that requires a cape? Right. Which also most of the time doesn't require a cape. Is it so it doesn't require the cape? Is it weird that I'm wearing the cape? I mean, only a little bit, but it is Tuesday. It's, it's, <laughs> it's cape, cape day. day. It's cape day here, so. <laughs> Taco cape day. Right, right. Tacos and capes. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I I think, I, I also wonder how much people care about processes. You know, I think we, we try and look as leaders at, uh, at, you know, the grand scheme of things. We look, we try and look at the 10,000 foot view and see what those processes are and make sure that they're efficient and, so we spend a lot of time thinking about it, mm-hmm. and I, it's just freshly occurring to me as we're sitting here talking that when we talk to people who aren't looking for them, do they even care? Mm. Or, like, is it just as long as the process to get me the work that I have to do, to get me rid of the work I have to do, and to get me paid are all working, (laughs) then we're cool. You guys do whatever you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
yeah, who knows what's going on in everyone's head and how they feel about processes, whether it's um, developing them or um, abiding by them, interacting Mm -hmm. with them, using them. Uh, As someone who has grown in my, uh, like, respect for and, like, awareness of what a healthy process even is or... um, how necessary they are to highly functioning teams and organizations. Um, I mean, I can say that like until you, you don't need them until you need them. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I think at the end of the day, there's no arguing that like healthy teams, highly functioning organizations have healthy processes in place. Yeah. There's just no debating that. It's right. just, that it's really that simple. Um, could you process a team or a person to death? Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we don't need a process for um, going to the restroom. <laughs> um, maybe we I, I kind of have to go right now. Maybe we do. Shoot. Do we see now? Well, <laughs> the answer is no. Right. Well, the answer is no. The the thing about processes, and I don't know if I've mentioned that on this episode of the podcast, <laughs> but I am a green belt certified lean process uh, improver. You're anyway. you batting a thousand. <laughs> It hasn't come up yet, so I'm glad I got to mention it. Anyway, um, the thing about process is that there is a process for everything. Mm-hmm. Everything we do has a process. There is a process for you to go to the bathroom, yeah. and I'm not going to explore that any further. <laughs> but it it is about what. So I think what you can do, you don't process people to death because everything has a process. Sure, you process improve and you over you micromanage the process and you like you overthink. The process it has to exist. Everything you do has a process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's whether you, yeah, just, like in what form does it exist? Right. Right. Like we, you don't need a written process for the restroom. Right. Right. But there are several processes that you do, and I think that that's where, um, th- that's where like my awareness of utilization of respect mm-hmm. for processes has definitely grown over the years because I think there was a time where I was much more comfortable with like the unwritten handshake Mm -hmm. agreement sort of process, right? Like we just, this is the way it works and we all know this is the way it works. So like, we don't have to talk about it. We don't have to write it down. You know what I do. I know what you do, you know, whatever, you know, and that doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it comes to critical functions. Sorry. Right. Right. I think, yeah, the more, the more people you have and the more you're trying to do, the less likely that is to work. Right, yeah. So if things are relatively low stakes and you have hardly any people, right? which I don't know what job that is Yeah. that is like that, but... Yeah, well, I mean, coming from the uh, self-employed, I mean, I'm sure that that's where, like, how my brain was wired, you mm-hmm. know, is, you know, it was always a relatively small team. I mean, at one point in time, it was a two or three person team. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we we did just kind of all know what everybody was responsible for. And if something came up because we didn't have it documented or whatever, we like, it was really easy for us to just talk about it and say, hey, are you doing this thing or am I doing this thing? You know, or are you doing this or that or whatever. But um, so like, I think, yeah, mom and pop, Mm -hmm. solo duo entrepreneur type scenarios is where, it might be a bit more possible just because you're that dynamic, like you said, a smaller mm-hmm. team. 
but even then, like, what happens when things change or what happens when that person's gone or you have to hire someone or all of a sudden you're a six person team and not a three person team. And in small businesses like that, that growth can happen really, really quick. Mm -hmm. Maybe not overnight, but maybe within a few days, a few weeks, a month, a year, whatever. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that can be super taxing to a, to a person. Right. Right. Well, and you need, to your point, you need some redundancy. Yeah. You need to be able to uh, pull back and look at the success of the group and know that if you pluck yourself out of that group, the group keeps moving. Right, right. And uh, you don't get that without some processes in mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, you know, I've definitely been on teams where rather than having a process or some, you know, redundancy in regards to tasks or, you know, backups, those, those kinds of things, what, what that team had, and this is a sick team, um, what that team had was a process to blame other people when things didn't get done. Mm. And that was how we dealt with not having redundancy. Mm. And, um, I mean, that, P.S. That takes zero awareness of what's happening. If what you're willing to do is, oh, that person's sick today. Well, they suck because now we can't do this thing, and they're so stupid they should have been here. And I don't know. Well, there's nothing I can do for you because that person should have been here. Mm. Like that. That's toxic. Yeah. It sounds fun. Doesn't it though? Oof. Yeah. <laughs> so we've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole on processes, mm. but. Um, an important part of our conversation yesterday for sure. And yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to shift gears and talk about another, <laughs> yep, there it goes a hard shift. I messed up the clutch. My yeah. bad. You can't find him grinding Ben. Something that we talked about that was, um, I think one of the tougher parts of the survey and our conversation around it was the whole topic around whether or not we're meeting expectations. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> so I'm you're getting choking emotional. on it. It's getting emotional. So bad. I mean, I think just for what it's worth, something to to put out there right away is I think this is one of the more valuable parts of this whole process because we have to have real conversations about some stuff that's really tough to say. Right? Mm-hmm. As evidenced by how, what a hard time you're having saying it. <coughs> Gosh, I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I honestly I don't even remember what my <clears throat> what my answer was to that survey question as I'm sitting here and thinking about it now. But, you know, each of us had, had kind of a, I mean, there were some similarities and some differences mm-hmm. and people's response to that question but the fact that we had to sit around uh you know in the same room and look at each other and talk about why we answered the way we did Mm -hmm. and hear from each other you know that's that's one of those uh moments in this process that um is right in line with dealing with real issues right? right right yeah it's it's interesting you bring this up because i think you and i Sort of have we have opposite perspectives on this? Where I think, 
it sounds like that was sort of convicting to you to feel like um, not everyone feels expectations are being met or that everyone is necessarily contributing to meeting those expectations. I'm sort of on the opposite side because what I heard in that conversation was a lot of, well, but you know, but sometimes that just happens. A lot of forgiveness for it. Mm-hmm. And my instinct was like, was to push that harder and say, let's not back down from that. It, it's not comfortable to talk about, but let's not make excuses for ourselves or for each other. You know, and if if the reason you're not meeting an expectation is because you don't want to, for example, mm-hmm. then let's say it. Or if I think, you know, and, and let's apply that even more broadly, if I need to look you in the eye, Ben, and say, I think you don't do that because you don't want to do it, then let's do that mm-hmm. um, and be comfortable with the idea that I'm saying that because that is what's in my head. It's not that I think you're a bad person, right? So let's hash that out and uh, be able to move forward instead of, well, you know, sometimes those, those things just didn't ha- don't happen and not everybody's not perfect and, and it's okay to not be perfect and not always meet expectations. Yeah. That, that's a thing that has really, like, that has clung to my brain, that idea of, eh, but, you know, it's fine. Yeah. I feel like we got into the meat of this conversation when we were talking about the team, right? And whether or not mm-hmm. a team can be successful if someone's not meeting their expectations, right? right? So, so I mean, what, like, what, what you're talking about, I think, is definitely something that, you know, if someone's just straight up not making, not meeting expectations, like, that does need to be brought into the light, um, you know, and something that we've talked about as part of this process is like the, the reasons for somebody not meeting their, like they don't want to do it. They don't know how to do it. Uh, they didn't know they had to do it. Right. Right. Um, maybe those are the three, maybe there's one that I'm missing. Um, so like having those real conversations is something that we're maybe just scratching the surface on by doing some of the stuff that we've been doing recently. But I'm 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 curious, super curious, super excited, little afraid of what it's going to look like when we have to have mm-hmm. that conversation. Where I mean, using the example you just gave, like where you come to me and say, "I don't think you want to do that." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do we do that? How do we have those conversations where you've got all the trust from me, where I can take that, mm-hmm. I can right. receive that from you, not right. take it like I'm taking crap from you or anything like that but you know I can receive that from you and then tell you the truth my truth or right you know yeah and then have the conversation to get to what the reality is and then move forward you know because you're in your brain you might think you don't want to do that thing and in my brain might be I don't know I'm supposed to do that thing right or Um, I don't know how, like I'm doing my best with what I have, but I don't know how to do the thing that you think I don't want to do. I I don't want to do it, but I just don't know how. I'm doing what I think I should do. Yeah. Doing my best. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, it seems, it seems utopian to be able to have those kinds of really honest conversations Mm -hmm. 
and it really is the thing that attracted me to this whole process yeah. to be able to, because I, I, I mean, I do the same thing. I've definitely been guilty of the same thing that I think we heard as we were debriefing, which is, well, you know, I know that sometimes you don't and it's fine. And you know, all of that stuff is fine. And, um, and one of the things that I, I had to rewire my own brain when I was a when I was doing organizational training and coaching, and tried to rewire re other people's brains, was to be able to sit in silence and not make the excuses for the for the person, for example, that you're coaching. Mm -hmm. So I had experience with more than one supervisor who would. Uh, turn to their, you know, would say to their, like, they would say, I can't figure out why I can't coach this person out of whatever this bad habit is, yeah. right? They keep doing the same thing over and over again. And um, if I would ask, you know, can I be in the coaching? Can I hear how you approach it? I would go into the coaching and they would say, um, you know, we talked about this thing, um, whatever this thing is that is your bad habit last time. And I know it could be this and it could be that and it could be this other thing. And maybe you feel this way. And the employee would sit and like listen to the litany of things that they could possibly respond with that they know the boss would accept sure. and pick one. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It was that thing there. Mm -hmm. That's why I, you know, that's why I did that. Yeah. So... <laughs> In that way, you know, you, you have offered that person the excuse. You have plenty of good reasons for not doing this thing, but just remember to do it next time. Yeah. Uh, so thinking about being able to live in an environment where you can say to me, um, did you not know you had to do that thing? And I can go, yeah, I knew I had to do that thing, but I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and then we can have that conversation. It sounds great. Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah. Um, I mean, and also you and I have that conversation already, and uh, you're very good at it. Oh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you feel that way. Because I'm always I'm always concerned with. I mean, the example you just gave is absolutely perfect. Like, did you not know you had to do that thing? Do you not know how to do that thing? And the response is some form of, yep. And I hate it, you know, because sometimes the thing you hate to do is also something that's really necessary. Right. You know, for the client, for the organization, whatever. Um, so, like, how do you navigate the rest of that conversation then to talk about what's next? And for me, it's always, you know, I want to get to solutions as quickly mm. as possible or the next iteration of the solution. Like, well, let's try, let's try this then. Maybe that'll make you hate it less, or maybe that'll make that less painful. Maybe that'll make that thing go away altogether. Right. Um, but what can happen there, the pitfall can be you just move on to the next solution or the next attempt iteration, um, and you forget to talk about, like, why do you hate it? Right. <laughs> why do you hate it? What about it makes you hate it, or what about what you do, who you are, makes you hate it because it's a thing that happens every day in the world, and mm -hmm. some people do it really, really well, so they must like it. Yeah. Um, is it something that they have that you don't? A tool, a resource, maybe a skill? Or is it something that they don't have, like a conscience? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
depending on what the thing is that we're talking about that you might hate, you know? But. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's exactly, uh, I, I'm feeling the urge to reframe who I am as a human being right here. <laughs> to, I, I don't think I've ever, I have definitely expressed to you, I know I have to do this thing. It is... Um, one of my least favorite things to do. One of my least favorite <laughs> things to do. I am dreading the thing. Yeah. Um, so I have never, see, I'm just making excuses for myself. I have never straight up said, I'm not going to do my job yeah. to you. Right. But we have had similar conversations and exactly what you're pointing out, which is, well, let's talk about why you hate that thing. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think it's a real, uh, it's, really tempting as a leader to say, well, whether you hate it or not, it has to happen. Yeah. So. Or, okay, I'll just do that thing for you then. Right. Right. So, yeah. so good job. Thumbs up to you, brother. This is a really cool moment that I'm just going to soak up right yeah. now. The fact that I handle that thing at least yeah. halfway well. I like to think that me being the difficult person I am, makes you grow <laughs> so much. <laughs> there is truth. This in, is my gift yeah, to you. Thank you, Sue, so You're much. Back. No, such a pain in my butt. No, I mean, like, so, yeah, I mean, yes, like, the answer, or, like, this is totally true. Like, um, the difficult conversations that we have, I've certainly grown because of it. I hope you have, too, mm -hmm. you know, and, like, I'd much rather have it that way than... Complacency, I guess, is the other option, or yeah. ignorance. I don't know. So, yeah, it's like I mean, I I mean that in the most genuine way. Like I know I've grown because of some of the conversations that we've had to have, and right, I appreciate that. Totally. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, this is not this is not praise Ben Bauer time, but I think what you react well to is you you started out our relationship. Um, on the well, first of all, on the idea that I am competent, capable, and creative. Mm -hmm. You, we started out with that. There was none of this like, I'm I'm the young new guy, and you have to prove yourself to me. Mm -hmm. um, I always felt that you felt that about me, um, and what I was able to express to you was basically, uh, and I and I try not to be like a resistant jerk about it, but this feeling of like, um, in the industry we work in, there's just a lot that I already know. Mm. So, uh, we, we don't have to, um, we don't have to play this game where you, like, especially when you started, where you as a guy coming in, learning what the credit union industry is, mm -hmm. um, where you tell me how it works. Mm. We don't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> None of that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, and you you can trust that if I have an opinion on something that I think will make things better, that I'll fight for that opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and I that, I think, helped. I, I really, this is me coming around to this idea of, like, I, I think that you and I have a really good history of dealing with real issues. Mm. Um, and it was this thing, maybe it was this thing we kept behind, literally, behind closed doors where we would have real conversations, but uh, there was some part of that where um, 
we we never really until we started working through this stuff never really turned it outward to be like well we can do this this is the thing we do all the time yeah um and i feel comfortable bringing up a real issue to you you feel comfortable either uh disagreeing working through you know whatever the appropriate response is and Mm. we i think like each other yeah yeah i mean most of the time not always (laughs) (laughs) no we do like each other sue or at least i like you i won't speak for you but okay um, see that you don't yeah (laughs) but um no i think you're totally right and yeah it's it's interesting to kind of reflect back on that and to think about how, yeah, maybe this is something that you and I have been doing and maybe just hasn't been a gift. And not to say that we've been doing it perfectly or anything like that, but um, it's a gift that maybe we haven't shared with the whole team in a s- subconscious way to protect them from something. Right. Conflict, I suppose. Right. When really, you know, maybe we were hurting by not letting them see it or participate in it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, there's this maybe it was a perception and we've gone way, I know we got to get back on track, but <laughs> there maybe is this perception because, um, I'm the most tenured member of the team mm. and being the most tenured member of the team. Um, I'm like that, you know, that retiring cop who's too old for this crap <laughs> <laughs> kind of person where I'm like, no, we don't need to like, let's dispense with all of that. And let's just deal with what's reality. Mm-hmm. And I've, um, I've, I'm long, I've never been political about things. I've never been, um, God knows I've never tried to do the right thing to save my own reputation. Uh, but uh, I think there's a chance that the rest of the team's perception could be like, well, she just can do that because of her experience, of her personality, like her title, her title, like she's uniquely positioned to do that. And I can't do that. I can't like step into my power in the way she can. Um, which is a myth. Yeah. It's an absolute myth. (laughs) Right. You know, Especially, I mean, also they should know well enough to know that there's some significant portion of what I say is uh, not bluster, but it is me like pushing myself forward and saying, um, this is what I believe. I am going to be confident in it. And I'm going to do this because I believe it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's the technically correct thing. Sure. Sometimes it's up for debate. Right. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. But you won't know that answer unless you try. Right. So. Okay. Um, Enough of the mutual the mutual love hour. Let's move right. on. Yeah. <laughs> now, all good talk, though, and something that I think we need to continue to remind ourselves of throughout this process is to invite people into the real conversations and to, right. uh, like, see the benefit of it, you know. Yeah. So. So, um, I, f- I feel like we're maybe getting to the point of wrapping up. I feel like there's some more insights. Right. Though. Yeah. I mean, I know one thing that I mentioned earlier was, you know, some ideas like for things that I like to change and um, 
you know, I mentioned like not settling for painful processes and stuff. And that's mm -hmm. something that every team, every member of the team is responsible for, you know, like speaking up when like something doesn't seem right or they see an opportunity for improvement, you know. So like um, that's definitely one thing that uh, I took away from this part of the process. And then like looking internally to like some things that I know I need to do more of, get better at, whatever is to be disciplined in doing the stuff that I say I'm going to do. I think that sometimes I attach like um, whether or not I'm meeting expectations on the team with like the delivery of things that I say I'm going to do that um, most of the time when I think I come up short on those things are some of I don't know, some of the things that maybe like live in the background, like having a conversation with somebody outside mm -hmm. of our team or um, doing a thing that isn't like attached to a project that has a checkbox and, you know, okay, that project is done now. Researching a thing or getting permission or asking for budget. I don't know. What, I don't, I'm trying to do my best to remember all of the, <laughs> all of the things that I've failed on in the last <laughs> seven years. But... Um, so like, you know, part of that is maybe just a personal awareness of, hey, like mm -hmm. you've said, you've done, you've said that you would do some stuff, you didn't do it. So like one, be aware. Um, and again, a survey like this is an opportunity to kind of recognize some of that stuff. But then also like, what are you going to do about it? Like what, mm -hmm. do you need to change a practice that you have, a system that you're utilizing to like, you know, like some of this stuff that I say I'm going to do? Do I need to make it a project in our project management software and have the checkbox and the due date, you know? And um, so I say that because that's one thing that I think I can do um, mm -hmm. to help just deli deliver more on the commitments that I'm making, you know? And then along with that, as I'm talking on the negative side of like things that I'm failing on and haven't done, um, celebrating the stuff that yes. we do, you know? I mean, that's something that we. We probably, so let's talk about celebrating a celebration because we probably celebrate more than we think we do. Like, hey, you know, good job person A on that thing that you just mm -hmm. did or good job team on that thing that we did. Um, but also, like, can you celebrate too much? You know, like as long as it's real and it's like right. something to celebrate. Like I don't want to make it sound like certain things are worth celebrating and others aren't like, everybody's job, everybody's role on this team, on this planet is worth celebrating every single day. But also we don't have time to party all the time. Um, Says you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That party budget's going up next year. <laughs> but yeah, all this to say, like, I think that's an opportunity that we always have is to, like, take that pause, take that moment to celebrate, um, not just to make people feel appreciated, but like to really like create that moment where we can recognize like, hey team, we're doing stuff. Yeah. To get out of the day to day a little bit. So let's talk about that in terms of accountability. Yeah. Right? In terms of having an accountable team. Uh, because what I am hearing from you is as the leader of a team, you feel like it's your job to encourage more celebration. Mm -hmm. How can we take that idea and stop making you the person accountable for it mm. and make the whole team oh, accountable for right. it yeah. instead? Because that's part of that is, uh, and also I think aligns with a discussion we started to have 
the meeting after the meeting yesterday <laughs> that you and I had um, of how much of this is them waiting for us to offer permission, to tell them what to do, to give them something to follow. Mm-hmm. And if that's what's happening, how can we start to shift that dynamic? So how can we yeah. encourage in... <laughs> In a genuine way. Right. That's exactly where I was going to go. I think that that's my biggest concern with it is by encouraging it or, you know, um, doing anything in a way where um, it doesn't feel genuine is like the last thing that we want, right? Is like making it a requirement that everybody celebrates some other person on the team every week, you know, like, ugh, gross, right? But like, how can we model it? Mm. How can we make it clear that it is an expectation of our team to celebrate, like to to take the pause and celebrate like, you know, so, I mean, I suppose like many things, it starts by, you know, doing it ourselves and leading mm-hmm. by example, but, um, with something like, I mean, using like celebrations as the topic at the moment, it's a, maybe a little more tricky one because the concern about it being genuine is really high. You know, if we're talking about a process like do it or don't do it, thing works or thing doesn't, like it's pretty simple. You make a process, you make it a rule, like this is a thing that you're accountable for or we're accountable for now. With celebrations, like we can't just prescribe that or write a policy, you know, otherwise it's just going to be super fake, you know. So so great question. I don't really have an, I don't have an answer. Um, It's, I think anytime you're talking about like cultural stuff like that, it's uh, a little less, it's one of those intangible things that, you know, are practiced and displayed and examples given, leadership is shown. And then, you know, I was kind of kidding about like celebrating the celebration, but then like when we get to the point where we can recognize and maybe measure like, hey, we are actually like, we're celebrating more stuff mm-hmm. now, like people are happier and you know, people understand the value that they're bringing to the team because we're celebrating. We have to celebrate that. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And share that good news and hopefully share with other people how you can make that happen. Because yeah. I, I think that is, it's one of those buzzy kind of things that people say, oh, well, people want you to celebrate. And yeah. But so much of that leadership stuff traditional leadership comes back to, so find a way to make your people celebrate. (laughs) And that is now your problem too. Right. (laughs) Instead of bring the team together to be accountable to celebrate everyday things. Yeah. Well, and you you mentioned um, like how we tie this to accountability and thinking of things that we should celebrate, especially in a process like this where we're pushing ourselves uh, as a team and maybe creating some uncomfortable um, moments. Um, We need to celebrate when we're growing on this journey and when people are taking accountability and, um, you know, owning the decisions that we've agreed that they own, you know, and like, I mean, yeah. So it's really easy to think about celebrating a project being completed or an award that we won or something like that. And those are important um, to celebrate and definitely important moments to celebrate. But hey, this thing that has been a struggle for you to really own this part of your role um, for one reason or another, Mm -hmm. you're doing it now. Like we got to celebrate that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm, as you can see, I'm continuing to make notes. You're making, you're as so we, good at note taking. Oh my gosh, I'm so great at it. Can we celebrate that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, final thing that I want to talk about because I I ruminated uh, about our meeting after the meeting yesterday, and one of the things I brought up to you in that meeting was this uh, my core feeling that even as we're trying to work through getting the whole team to be accountable to each other and explain how that means, um, explain what that means and how that is, you know, people taking ownership of what they're doing. Um, we are, we're still doing this with a team who were brought up in a traditional leadership style, yeah. which is we tell you what to do yeah. and you do it. Yeah. And by doing the thing we tell you, you are, um, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. And so when you shift that dynamic to the team builds this accountability together and you, as any part of the team, are responsible to understand what that accountability is, be, you know, having the shared fate, all of that stuff um, is a huge shift. And so the thing that I brought up to you yesterday was like that I was frustrated because it just still feels like they're they're saying like well just if you could just tell us what to do about this mm -hmm. then we would do it and then you wouldn't get so frustrated in these meetings sue because <laughs> <laughs> we know you want something and you're not communicating yeah. it yeah. um so what i started to think and you said you know there there are people that want to be led um and the question i had I, the question i have to that after thinking about it is do they want to be led or do they want to be right? Hmm. So if, if the purpose is to be led, then it doesn't work. But if all they want is to do the right thing, then that works. That works in this dynamic. We just have to get them to understand that the right thing is accountability, not being led. Does that make sense? Does that resonate with you as a thought? Yeah, I think so, and I think it... Um like identifies the real challenge with all of this, which is like sometimes we don't know if we're right until after. Right. And by you wanting to be led or um, I guess I'm not sure if I'm talking about wanting to be led or wanting to be right right now, but by you wanting one of those things and then we come to find that we were wrong, that gives you an opportunity to not be accountable for what you do or to say, well, I I did that thing that way because that's what you told me to do. Right. And so now I'm not, I feel no ownership in the results. Exactly. You know, that's where the problem comes, you know? Yeah. So, so I think I, I have to believe maybe part of this journey or this process will um, teach me otherwise, but I have to believe that there is a way where people can take leadership, can take orders, um, mm -hmm. instruction, whatever, uh, do a thing, come to realize it was wrong, and feel accountability for what they, the role that they played in it. Mm -hmm. What that looks like, how we get there, where there's, I mean, because the, at the end of the day, they're what we're talking about. I think, as I understand it, is shared fate, right? Right. So, um, how how we get there, how we get to that shared fate thing, yeah, is I guess to be determined, you know. Right. So. Right. <laughs> Yeah, 
even even as we work through this, um, one of the things that that reminds me is that there will always be orders, quote unquote, right. orders. Yeah. There will always be things that are. Um, first of all, we work in um, we work in a service industry, mm-hmm. so the whole system is set up for us to take orders. Right. Those are the orders we take. Yeah. Um, processes are orders. Right. Uh, and it is creating accountability even alongside those other things mm-hmm. that I think is the, is the fun and unique challenge. Yeah. Because we don't, there is no space that we go orderless. Right. That's chaos. Yeah. That's nothing. Right. And there is a space where there are orders and there isn't accountability. Right. And that creates failure or an, a non-accountable team. Right. An unshared fate. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like I'm leaving this like like a cliffhanger or something, but it is kind of where we're at. Right? We're actually living <laughs> in a cliffhanger, so I think that's totally appropriate. Yeah. So let's talk about what's next. Okay, let's do it. So the one thing I know for sure is we have to, we still have to have a conversation because we ran out of time, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, about what are the what things other people want to change for themselves yeah. and to help the team change. Yeah. So I. Those action steps steps are a little TBD. Yep. But I wrote a lot of notes during this conversation too. You know, the more we talk about it, the more I think you and I discover things. Right. Um. And it's helpful. Yep. So. And it's something we got to bring the team into. Yeah. You know, because like I totally agree. Like the more that we talk about it, like action steps are popping up. You know, I hate to get to solutions. I hate to think that we're developing solutions right now, but steps mm-hmm. to a solution or steps to accountability, right. I think, are the things that we're developing or are popping up in our heads right now. And as we know, that can't just be on you and me. So right, we have to invite the team into that. Yeah. So that's next steps. We're going to yeah. have that conversation yet this week. We're going to see what those are. We can report back next time on what those action steps ended up being. Yeah. I think, you know, sitting here right now thinking about what action steps could come from this, it's a little bit daunting because I also know what our list of other things that are unrelated to this that have action steps yeah. um, from planning and things like that are. Right. So I think the focus needs to be on how we create action steps that we can be doing concurrently right. with other things. Yeah. And it's especially useful if they're around process because we got to do the process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever they, whatever they will be, they will be and we'll share. Okay. Sarah, Sarah, <laughs> whatever will be, will be. Well, we appreciate you joining us on this journey. Keep coming back to hear more. And if you're interested in any of the materials we've put together, like the survey we just took, um, or the questions that we use to debrief us, brief, (laughs) debrief it, let us know. You can follow us on social media, or you can get in touch with us at our website, exclamationcuso.com. Yeah, and I'll just add a little plug, like 
get in touch with us. Like if, if someone is listening to this and you're feeling some of the same stuff that we're feeling or if we're even talking about something similar, um, let's talk because my guess is we can probably learn something from each other. So don't, uh, don't hesitate to reach out, good or bad. We'd love to hear it. Uh, but also, we'd really like to hear the good, good. stuff. Yeah, yeah right. please. Awesome. Thanks, Sue. Thanks, friends, for tuning in. Be awesome, and we will see you next time. The Osmology Podcast is a production of Exclamation Services. Thanks to Nick Mulliver for sound production and Kylie Ganther for our cover artwork. Executive producers are me, Ben Bauer, and my friend, Suzanne Campbell.